In this edition of Locked On Capitals, Justin Trudell of Nova Caps joins me as we talk about did the Caps do enough at the trade deadline and what can we expect them to do this summer before free agency next on Locked On Caps. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check it out. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So in this edition of Locked On Capitals, we talk about the Capitals and did they do enough before the trade deadline? Then we'll talk about the outlook for this season. And then in the last segment, we will talk about what moves will the Caps make this summer before free agency. But in this episode, I'm happy to have Justin Trudell of Nova Caps. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So just taking a look at this team, we could look at injuries and the the impact of that on this team. You could draw lines to the Nick Backstrom injury. You could draw lines to Tom Wilson being out of the lineup. How big of an impact is Tom Wilson and Nick Backstrom's absence from this lineup to where the Capitals are right now? Do we ultimately think they would be higher in the standings had they not been injured? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you're looking at essentially a third of your top six forward group and really part of your core is the team missing substantial time, you're going to have an impact on your roster. Uh, what it comes down to also is when those players are out of the lineup, it really shows the, a lot of the impact, positive or negative, that others have to play in uh, that are kind of subbed in for them in the lineup. And then, not to mention Tom Wilson or Nick Backstrom, you've missed out on John Carlson the last three months. You've missed out on all but four games from your offseason acquisition in Connor Brown, who's like that 15 to 20 goal scorer that this team desperately needs, especially now. Uh, but what we're looking at, you know, effectively right now, we are looking at a playoff odds percentage from money puck of 5.8%. Like we're, we're going to be on the outside looking in. It's all but over in terms of playoffs for the rest of the season. But with, you know, your core group being healthy, especially the veteran group, you're probably looking at a playoff spot, especially with how the goaltending has been performing over the course of the season, regardless of the, of the talent in front of them. Um, you know, probably looking at a wild card spot still, you know, probably add you know 10 to 12 points to the point total if you have a healthy lineup but the top three of the metro is set and those top three teams are going to be there regardless of how healthy the capitals have been so what are your thoughts on the rest of the season i want to be drinking the capitals kool-aid like everyone else and thinking that they're gonna they're gonna do it this nucleus this team that won a Stanley Cup in 2018. They got the band together and we're going to ride out in the sunset and, and there's going to be one last hurrah. Is that ultimately going to be the case? I, I want to be that optimistic, but I got to be honest with you. I'm struggling with it. What is your outlook for the Caps for the rest of the season? 
Yeah, I think this is going to be, you know, the next 17 games are going to be a period of evaluation for McClellan. Not only does he have to make a decision on the future of Peter Laviolette as head coach, but he has to look at some pieces on the roster that are going to enter unrestricted free agency and Connor Sherry and Trevor Van Riemsdyk. But then you also have to make a call on Alex Alexiev and see if he's truly NHL ready. They're throwing him to the fire right now. He's getting a ton of defensive zone deployments, I think. Part of that is a conceded effort to see if he's truly ready to kind of skate a regular role for the Caps defensively. Um, but at this point, you know, it's just going to be watching a team that wants to compete on the ice. But ultimately, we're probably not going to be watching playoff hockey for Washington here this season. And that's kind of a tough pill for Capitals fans to swallow because this team has made it to the playoffs, at least the first round for so many years. They haven't made it past the second round uh, or made it to the second round rather since uh, they won the Stanley Cup in 2018. But it is a tough thing. So Brian McClellan did take a look at this team. And the things I've heard about it is there was a reason that John Carlson was the only defenseman that was under contract, uh, except for Faravari and uh, Alexia, who are restricted free agents, is because he wanted that flexibility if this team this season went south, and it did. So the first big movement was Orloff and Hathaway out to Boston. What I'm hearing there is that Orloff's camp wanted seven years and that uh, McClellan and the Capitals were all in on maybe more like a three-year deal. And same goes for Hathaway. Both of those guys wanted to test the free agency market. And it's my belief that Mac did the right thing because if we would have made it to the summer and they hit free agency, the Capitals would have got zero for them. Was that the right move? Absolutely. I I think McClellan's strategy heading into the trade deadline or leading up to the trade deadline, because basically all the trades were made prior to the deadline. Um, you know, it's, it, it's really tough to see Orlov in another uniform. You know, he's been a great capital his entire career here. And that was a tough pill to swallow for a lot of Caps fans, myself included. I think what you look at too is like, you know, at that point, you're not going to make the playoffs. So why keep those players around? You know, the only reason you do that is if you think you have a chance of sniffing the playoffs with what, you know, we're not, we're not in that situation right now. Um, so trading Orlov and Hathaway together was an interesting choice. I think it just came down to is the best package you're going to get. Um, so ultimately you got a few, you know, first, second round, first, second and third round picks plus Craig Smith for, you know, Orlov and, um, Hathaway that you know, turned around and parlayed that first round pick and Gustafson for Rasmus Sandin, which I'm pretty high on as an option for the Caps moving forward. But I think ultimately, like, yeah, I mean, if you're going to lose them for nothing and you're not going to compete for the playoffs, like the right move is to trade them. And it was a tough thing because many people were kind of baffled on why it happened. But, you know, like I was talking about, if they make it to free agency, they get nothing. And kind of the thought was at first, and it was my thought at first as well, as I heard, well, we got a bunch of draft picks and Craig Smith for it, um, is that they were going to take that draft capital and go to the draft and use it in the draft. But at, in turn, what they did is they took that first round pick and they got Rasmus Sandin from Toronto, which you spoke of, and Gustafson as well. I like that kind of move. Can we expect more movement like that? Or do you see the Caps going all in on with their draft capital on drafts? Or do you see them using those picks uh, to help solidify and bolster this team uh, in years to come? Yeah, so I think there's probably going to be a combination of that route. So 
I would be very, very surprised if the Capitals didn't use their first round pick this year in the draft. This is one of the deepest first rounds we've seen in a long time. You can get a quality player. And if you miss the playoffs, the lottery is a lottery for the reason, like anything can happen. Like we've seen the Rangers in the pandemic bubble season where they exited in the round robin phase of the tournament and they got the first overall pick and got Alexis Lafreniere for it. So Really, anything can happen with the lottery. It would be, you know, great to move up. I don't think first overall is probably going to happen unless you know the bottom falls out the next seventeen games. But uh, you know, there's going to be a difference maker in you know the top fifteen or so picks there. Maybe not next season, but that's something to build your pipeline around for prospects. Um, for the other picks, seconds and thirds, and potentially later down the line, those are going to be used to flip to get assets for the team. Um, so we, we know we're going to see a quick retool on the fly. Uh, St. Louis is going through a similar thing where they've been in on pretty much all the same kind of high caliber um, defensemen, especially that are available in the trade market. So realistically, if you want younger players in your roster, the only way to get them is either drafting them or trading for them. And I think we need NHL players now to kind of round out the Ovechkin era. So those trade assets are going to be important to acquire these young kind of scoring forwards that the team desperately needs, um, especially for team control for the next you know, three, four plus years. Uh, it's going to be really important for what the Caps do post Ovechkin. Yeah, it's some tough things going forward here. I mean, I think a lot of fans are used to this team and they're used to this nucleus of Backstrom and Wilson and all these guys kind of just really doing a lot of great things for this team. And and uh, with them winning a Stanley Cup, finally getting over that hump. And I think that to a certain extent, that is what kind of endears them. And that's why it's hard to, to break up the band, if you will. All right, so after the break here, we will talk about Peter Laviolette. Is his future in D.C. safe? And then when will it be the opportunity for some of the crown jewels in the Hershey Bears organization to get their shot on the Capitals. We'll talk about that next. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download the FanDuel Sports app, America's number one sports book, because no new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points course in threes drained. And guys, even if you're not into betting, you could bet on an upcoming Wizards game. It makes watching the games that much more exciting. Plus, Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So there's a lot of questions about the head coaching on this team and the coaching in general. Uh, the onus, does that lie squarely on Peter Laviolette's shoulders? Ultimately, it's my belief that I think that Peter Laviolette is doing what he can. Uh, he is the winningest U.S.-born coach at the end of the day, so those guys don't exactly grow on trees. Um, I think that, you know, to a certain extent, you have to look at it like he was building a deck. We hired this guy to build a deck, but we took away all his tools. And everyone's looking at Peter Laviolette and going, build us that deck. 
How can you, you know, expect Peter Laviolette to be the head coach of this team when he was missing a lot of the weapons at his disposal? And do you ultimately think that uh, he gets extended and we will see Peter Laviolette or do you see a different head coach next year? I think in my opinion, we see a new head coach behind the bench next season. I I will acknowledge the fact that Laviolette has imperfect has had imperfect rosters over the past three seasons he's been head coach. This season he was dealt a really tough deck of cards with all the injuries to the core group, important players. You know, it's tough. You know, McClellan went out and addressed the biggest need on the roster this offseason, which was veteran goaltending with Darcy Kemper and then Charlie Lindgren as the backup. And both have performed admirably. But realistically, if you're going in a new direction where you have younger players on the roster that will need some development. Like there's only a handful of guys at the NHL level that are, you know, in their early to mid twenties that can have impacts. Um, and those types of players aren't available via trade. Like you're going to have to get guys that might have some flaws in their game that need development. And based off the sample size we've seen over the past three years, younger players don't necessarily mesh well with Laviolette. So I think there might be an opportunity to find a guy who's had you know, a, be- a bevy of coaching experience at various levels, kind of working his way up, getting development uh, of players kind of in his resume and kind of going from there. Um, I had a post um, for Nova Caps today that came out um, about head coaching resumes and who the Caps should potentially look at as options. Uh, one of the key things I looked at, you know, one of the main reasons why I think Laviolette was hired was the Stanley Cup pedigree. Uh, but what I found looking back at Stanley Cup winning teams and coaches since 2000, 16 of the 22 won their first cup at then out window. And only one coach had had actually won the Stanley Cup as the head coach prior to that window. And that was Scotty Bowman, who's a Hall of Famer, you know, all-time winningest coach. That That's not going to be an option for the Caps, unfortunately. But um Pretty much all of the coaches in that window that have won the cup won their first cup with that team in that window. So Stanley Cup pedigree is great, but it's not necessarily an indicator for future success as we've seen it since you know the last 23 years, basically. Um, realistically, we kind of have to look at the results. You know, he has had imperfect rosters, but teams have won with imperfect rosters in the past. Uh, you know, Laviolette's only won three playoff games in two years as head coach, where, you know, looking back at Todd Reardon, who, you know, is kind of universally panned as, you know, a failed experiment post Barry Trotz in the cup win, he won five. (laughs) So, you know, there's kind of mixed results here. Reardon won, you know, two division titles in this time. Um, Caps, I think, have finished fourth the past two years in the division. So there's some kind of things there where you're kind of looking at the state of your team. The team hasn't performed great. You know, you've had stretches where the teams looked, you know, pretty decent and especially like this past December, but then you look at stretches like January and February of this year, where there's just something missing. And obviously like the roster is what it is, but the best coaches and what you're paying for is to elevate the roster. And I think we kind of have to see what else is on the table. Because I think we kind of know what's there in terms of player development. You know, see, you know, butting heads of players like uh, Jacob Frana, who <laughs> unceremoniously yeah. was traded away for Anthony Mantha. But you know, there's things there I think that are too hard to overlook in terms of keeping a guy around, especially when you want to get younger. 
So are there any front runners in your opinion, that would be a good head coach? I'm hearing more and more about the head coach and Hershey and how he's kind of really helped that team out. And could he be a potential option? Who are some of your uh, great candidates or likely candidates for the position? Yeah. So I think what we're looking at in terms of overall candidates, it's kind of comes down to a few for me. Um, Spencer Carberry, who was the um, head coach in Hershey a few years ago and is currently an assistant with the Toronto Maple Leafs, would be a pretty good option. He has some familiarity with some of the younger players on the team that come up through Hershey and the ECHL in South Carolina. Uh, so I think that could be an interesting play. Obviously, his only head coaching experience is in the AHL, so there's some risk right. there. Um, Todd Nelson's another one, who's the current head coach of the Bears. Um, he's had a lot more experience at the NHL level in terms of being an assistant. He's been a head coach at various levels. He was an interim head coach for the Oilers at one point uh, when he took over for Dallas Aikens in that failed experiment for them. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, having that level of familiarity with the current kind of young players in the system, the ones kind of making the jump to the NHL, I think was going to have some positive impacts. Um, another one that's kind of flying under the radar for me, which I think is probably a long shot, but would be interesting would be Jeff Halpern. Obviously, DMV yep. native, native, former capital, has played with Ovechkin, Backstrom, and Carlson. Um, you know, it's, it would be intriguing. You know, he's had some developmental experience in the past. He's assistant coach of the Lightning, has two cups under his belt. So you have to wonder what his shot is and if that's the right kind of spot. Um, and then another kind of route you could go is kind of where um, the New York Islanders went this past season, which is just promoting someone from the actual assistant coaching staff in Scott Allen. So Scott Allen is you know currently with the team. He's got a ton of experience going back to 1996 and has been at all levels, ECHL, AHL, and NHL. So that would be intriguing from like, He's got an experience developing players, but he has no head coaching experience in that NHL. So there's some kind of give or take there. And I know that some Cats fans are hearing no head coaching experience in the NHL and kind of cringing a bit. But at this point, like it's either retreads or kind of people you think can make a difference in terms of player development, which is where what we're looking at in terms of adding young players to the roster. Because the core group is the core group. The veterans on the team are pretty much at the ceiling or kind of trending down so how do you maximize the youngest talent on the team um and then obviously the fan favorite would probably be bruce brujero um, yeah. that would be a, an interesting reunion <laughs> um i think you know obviously Boudreau has like this kind of like cult following and he definitely de he definitely deserves that cult following i mean he's he's a pretty amazing person but for the most part it's like who do you look at for kind of playoff success and i'm not sure Boudreau's the guy there i think he's gotten to the right conference finals one time which was with the ducks quite a few years ago so it's like could he get a lot out of the team in year one probably but i don't know about year two and three at this point yeah it's kind of tough questions going forward you know i think that uh, a lot of times that gets put squarely on their shoulders and sometimes they don't make you know really great decisions if you look at the islanders for example they passed up or they you know they did they uh, fired Barry Trotz and they went with Lane Lambert an unproven commodity and we see how that went uh, for the Islanders this year I mean I guess kind of mixed reviews I mean I guess they're kind of in it too a little bit but if there's ever a world where you're picking Lane Lambert over Barry Trotz I I just don't see that what was your reaction when you heard about that I thought it was an interesting move just because Barry Trotz had had so much success in a short time in on the island um 
it's also interesting because like you're not going to have much of a divergence in coaching philosophy from trots to lambert they've been together for a long time like their systems are probably the same um but then when you look at the islanders lineup you also see kind of like a roster kind of construction issue and they tried to um kind of ramify essentially like address that um with the acquisition of bill horvat like they didn't have enough goal scorers on that lineup uh so ultimately, like you look at the Islanders, you see a lot of two-one games, especially prior to getting Bo Horvat. But you know, when you look at it, like that team is defensively focused. They play the trap. They're going to just wear you down and score timely goals. That's basically their entire um, forte. And Lambert didn't change any of that. So it's like you're really looking at a team and an overall roster construction of like you're going to sit back, you're going to wait for your opportunities, and then you'll capitalize. And that makes for very boring hockey. I will say I'm not a fan of the game at all. When, when the Islanders are on, it's not it's not a fun watch whatsoever, especially when you look around the league at teams like the Oilers, the Maple Leafs, the Avalanche that, you know, score, score, score. Um, but ultimately, like, in a in a game of extremes where you have extreme offense they went extreme defense as kind of a counter and they've had some success i'm guessing at some point like barry trotz wasn't getting what he wanted and lou lamorello just figured it's time to move on you can go and do whatever you want and obviously barry trotz wanted to get in the general management game since he's starting there in nashville soon all right so after the break here we're going to talk about what other kind of movement do we see the Capitals making in the offseason? Was that it, or do we see a lot of wholesale changes going on? We'll talk about that next. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In this episode, we are joined by Justin Trudell of Nova Caps. So what is some of the movements? What is your blueprint for this team this summer to be competitive next year. We don't want another season like this season. We want the Capitals to be competitive and winning games like they've done for so many years. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that um, I wrote a post on on Novacaps was about one of the key metrics you see for success, especially around winning teams. Uh, the Capitals really struggled in this year. So that metric is effectively goals for minus expected goals for. So that differential needs to be positive. Um, you need to score more goals than expected and have success just because you're going to be generating more offense that way, right? Goals win games. Uh, the issue for the Capitals is they've had, they had a negative differential there, which is the lowest that they've gone since 2010, 2011, which for people who have been following the team for a while will know mm. the Capitals are really struggling to score goals that year. Ovechkin had his first down year in goal scoring, only scoring, I think, 32 goals that season. Is either 32 or 38, kind of flip-flop um, for his two seasons there where, you know, there's trade clamorings for him because he wasn't scoring 50 goals. Yeah. Um, but what we're looking at that for that, that key metric for success that I'm saying is every Stanley Cup winner since... 2016-17 has had a positive differential. Like that's a key metric for success. Teams that are successful always score more goals than they're expected just because they're generating chances, they're scoring on those chances, but they're also scoring on low danger chances because effectively puck luck is still a thing, right? So um, there's a lot of issues there and it comes down to finishing the chances for the Capitals. So one of the biggest things that I observed uh, during five on five play for the caps is they generate the highest rate of expected goals for 
for 60 in the last decade this season. The issue was they shot at their second lowest shooting percentage and lowest since they missed the playoffs back in 2013. Hmm. So what we're kind of observing here is the Capitals just can't finish. And there is a uh, kind of a finishing chart from hockeyviz.com that shows the Capitals kind of overall like scoring by area. The entire right side of the ice on the offensive zone was cold, like there's no one scoring goals from the right side of the ice. And the only hot spot just happened to be where Ovechkin likes to set up on the left circle. <laughs> so when you're looking at the team and the roster construction, there's very little depth scoring. Uh, we're basically looking at Ovechkin and then at the as the current roster kind of flows, it's Ovechkin, Oshi, Sherry, Strom. And those are the guys that score goals. You know, there's one goal scorer over 20 goals, and that's being, that's Ovechkin. Everyone else is kind of there. Like, Oshie's on pace for 20 goals, but you need to score goals in this league now to win. And, you know, overall, like, we've seen the game change over the past six, seven years, especially where teams are faster, teams have more skill. The game has been more circle, kind of centered around skill-based scoring rather than kind of like the rough and tumble, get in front of the net, and you hope for kind of a garbage goal kind of thing. Um, there's just a bunch of issues there where McClellan even kind of hinted at it on an interview with Elliot in the morning, which is we need a top six goal score. <laughs> and I would I agree that. with that. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Like there needs to be more goal scoring. Obviously you need to get something more out of Anthony Mantha. He makes far too much more money for him to be scoring nine goals so far this season, like 57 games. Like that's the kind of thing where it's like, especially with your roster construction for next season, where we're coming out. Um, you know, the cap's going to have about nine and a half million dollars in cap space. If we see a modest increase in cap, like a million dollars, because they want to see a $4 million increase, but with the state of regional sports networks, we might not see a $4 million increase. So there's effectively, you need to give Martin Fairbury a new contract. You need to give Alex Alexiev a new contract. You need to figure out two more roster spots in the forward groups, especially around Connor Sherry and then the fourth line kind of role, um, potentially a top six forward there, as we mentioned. Um, if the caps, kind of have to decide what to do with Mantha there. So to me, there's three kind of three options. One, you kind of hold on to him and you hope that he regains, you know, 20 goal score for him. Right. The second would be to buy him out the summer. You save $4.333 million against the cap, but you kind of lose cap space in the next season as a part of that. Um, and then the third option would be to try to trade him to a team like Arizona, who's always perpetually trying to hit the cap floor. And, you know, they're kind of hoping that they can get Mantha back to where he should be, flip him at the deadline for assets and kind of go in that route. To me, buying him out is probably the most likely option just because of the cap space and the return on investment hasn't been great. Um, you know, you saw Detroit trade. Jacob Vrana to the Blues for pretty much nothing. <laughs> um, you know, they're they're kind of moving on. It's kind of time to consider if the cap should move on from Mantha. The other option I think is the most likely is just holding on to him and see what he can do. And then, you know, making a decision at some point next season or just letting him walk in free agency. I just think like if you're trading a player with a $5.7 million cap hit, you're probably gonna have to give up assets to make that trade happen. So that's like you have to weigh your options there. And I think like 
buying him out, saving money on the cap so you can replace him with someone cheaper might be the best option. But we'll, yeah, I know McClellan will have his hands full this offseason. I think kind of the hope was there that they were going to be able to bundle him together in a deal and ship him out, you know, maybe kind of the same way Craig Smith came here, because I don't think the Capitals were necessarily looking for Craig Smith. And what I had read about Boston is they were actively shopping him. Um, So I think that they said, you know, you can get these draft picks, but you have to take Craig Smith as well as part of that deal. And, you know, to be honest with you, I was not real familiar with him, but then he came here and scored two goals in one game. And I'm like, well, if, if we can get that kind of production, I guess I'm all right with him. So some interesting things for Anthony Mantha. Uh, that is for sure. I think that, you know, such a hot and cold player. Um, and that's, that's his Achilles heel. I remember when he came here, he went on a goal scoring tear. Then of course he had that injury where he was sidelined last season for a good chunk of time. And when he came back, he was on fire. But he just seems to to lose his way. And I think part of the reason the Capitals brought him here in the first place was because of his big frame. I thought that to a certain extent, they thought he would be maybe like, you know, uh, Tom Wilson 2.0-ish. Uh, but he is not, you know, intrinsically a tough guy. He's got that big frame. But every fight that I've seen him in is kind of awkward, where even one time I think the jersey was pulled over his head. It was just, it was all kinds of messy out there. So... Some tough questions out there for the Capitals, that's for sure. Uh, One of the things I had heard, too, is the Capitals were a lot closer on Jacob Chikrin than anyone thought. But what I'm hearing, and I don't have this on any authority other than just people talking to me, is that the ask on it was Hendrick Slapierre and Connor McMichael plus plus. I'm not as much as I like Chikrin. I don't want to start, you know, depleting these top draft picks for a guy. I understand he's a good player, but I just don't think that's a good route uh, for the Capitals to go on. Say, Justin, I'm glad you were able to join us. This this 30 minutes goes by so fast. We'll have to have you on the show again sometime. Why don't you tell everyone where we can find your work? Yeah, so you can find my posts on NovaCapsFans.com. Uh, you can also follow our social media kind of ex- um social media uh, profiles, just Nova Caps on pretty much every major platform. Um, and you can find me at StayTrue20 with no E on True, uh, just on Twitter. All right, Justin, thanks so much for coming on the show. We want you to join us once again. You are a wealth of knowledge as far as uh, the Caps and all that is concerned. So just really great to have you on. Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked On Game to Game NHL. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Locked On Game to Game NHL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you find your podcast. So once again, thank you for joining us on this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. My name is Dan Holmey, and I'll talk to you again next time.